Hey, what's up, family? Listen, I want to share my thankfulness towards you for being a part of TBC. You know, each week we see hundreds of people step inside our church, but the becoming is much more than a place. It's a people. If there were no people, our church wouldn't exist. Listen, I love this city. I love the people of the Huntsville, Madison area. And we as a church, we feel called to serve this city. And we believe this, that as we serve it, that God will change it. And we want to continue to serve it. You know, we're in the middle of a collection of talks called Bricklayers, which leads right up to our annual vision offering on December 10th. Once a year, we give generously, not to keep the lights on, but to further the vision God has given us. And we believe with your help that we can go further faster. So today, I want you to consider partnering with the Becoming Church. Just simply go to thebecomingchurch.org to see how you can be a part of our annual offering on December 10th. Hey, I love you, family, and the best is still to come. From Exodus 25, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair. Anybody got any goat hair out there? Ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Jumping down to Exodus 35, verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. And then verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful and we're thankful for this moment. God, we know this. You're purposeful. You're intentional. There's no happenstance with you. There's a reason. And so, Lord, we're not here on accident. We're here on purpose. So, Lord, will you help us to see that? Will you give us eyes to see what it is that you're showing us? Will you give us ears to hear what it is that you're speaking to us? Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. And so, God, as your servants this morning, we say this, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. October 8th was Vision Sunday here at the Becoming Church. And on that Sunday, here's what we said. We, we said we believe this. We believe that this season of church, of life that we're stepping into is building season. Now, that may not make sense because when you look at the headlines, when you look at the news, when you look at all the predictions for 2024, you say, I don't know. This may be a moment to just kind of fall back. This may be a moment to go into uh, protection mode. 
this may be a moment to build up the stockpile. This may be a moment to press pause. But when I read scripture and I see Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says this, I will build my church. And he doesn't say I will build my church unless certain conditions look like this. He says, I will build my church. But then we also have to ask this question, well, what is church? Is church buildings? Is it structures? Is it simply an organization? Well, that's part of the answer, but that's not all what it is. Church is people. It's you and I. It's us. It's his people. And so the reality is, when Jesus says, I will build my church, he's saying that he's going to build us. And so we believe that we're stepping into a season where Jesus, he's building singles, he's building marriages, he's building families, he's building his church. Now, of course, churches gather in buildings, but that's not the totality of what the church is. The church is a gathering of his people. Now, as the becoming church, we, we gather in a portable way. So I get it when you hear people say, well, you say, well, wait a minute. You say the church is people, but I hear people say, well, hey, what church do you go to? Let's go to church. That doesn't make sense. Well, listen, I think we got to change our phrase around that, our language around that, because we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. So listen, when you get out of here this morning, guess what? You can have church at Chipotle and believe they're going to put more than a little bit of pieces of chicken on there. You can have church at Target, church at Walmart, church in your place of employment. Why? Because you and I, we are the church. We don't go to church, but we gather as the church. Now, how we gather as a church is portable, meaning we don't, we don't own a building, a space. We don't lease anything. There's nothing with our name on it. We are portable. We're here at Horizon. We have to, we get to load in and load out. But listen, while this may be for some of us a new concept, like, yo, that's an interesting way of, of doing ministry. But listen, we're not the first. Actually, this, this idea is pretty ancient. The Israelites, when they made their exodus from Egypt, they found themselves in the wilderness and they did not have a proper way to worship God. And because God's desire is to dwell with his people, he instructed them to build a tabernacle. And that word tabernacle simply means to dwell. And so they were portable. Wherever they were moving, set up shop and open it up. They were portable. That's what we are. Now, as we come together for our bricklayer's offering, we're coming together to prepare for a permanent facility for the Becoming Church. Now, listen, are you like, yo, are you saying that? And then you have insight to a space? Nope. I have zero insight. I don't see anything. And if you know something, why are you holding it? You need to share that. 
Because I'm on LoopNet and Crexy and everything else. Like, Lord, there has to be a place out here somewhere. But this is what we're believing for. We're believing we're coming together for a permanent facility so that we can prepare, so that when the moment comes, we're ready. Now, we're not just beginning to prepare. We've been preparing. And this preparation has, is, is moving because of the generosity of the church. You know, the Becoming Church is not short of vision. But vision is nice, but vision means nothing if there's no generosity that are the wheels that move the vision forward. Otherwise, the vision just stays parked. But because of your generosity, it's happening. And I'll give a little insight to that. Now, this is not everything, but this is just what we have said. This is dedicated to a permanent facility that, to date, the Becoming Church has saved $400,000 towards a permanent facility. Did y'all hear what I just said? (laughs) Now, that's not everything. So, like, if we find a place today, are we going to be broke? No. (laughs) But that speaks to the level of generosity, but it also speaks to the level of stewardship of the leadership team and our overseers and and financial accountability and our uh, accountant uh, in a way that uh, we oversee the finances of the church, that the T's are being crossed and the I's are being dotted, that a church that's not even two years old can say, hey, $400,000 is set aside for a building. And you know what has not stopped? Ministry has not stopped. Man, we're feeding people. We're meeting needs. We're serving the city. Like, these things are happening. And you said, well, 400000 that's enough. And I'm like, you see those prices? <laughs> it's not enough. And so what we're doing, we're saying, Lord, we're going to continue to prepare. And so what we're coming together on December uh, 10th is to continue to prepare. Now, I remember being in this place last year, and the church is not, wasn't a year old. And I'm like, Lord, you know, can I, can I talk about a bricklayer's offering? These people are like, well, we don't know you. What are you talking about, man? We, can, we can't do that. We, ha- we don't know you yet. And I said, here we go. We're going to do this. It's not my idea. This is your idea. And I was like, is there a number? And I thought about it. And I didn't, I didn't share it because I was afraid of this number. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're new. We're nine months old. I don't, I don't know if we can do that. I shared it with Katie. And I was like, you know, if we could, if we could see, if we could receive fifteen to $20,000, that would be amazing. But I was afraid to share that number. I didn't share it with the church. I didn't share it with anyone outside of Katie. And would you guys know, our first Bricklayer's offering, I guess it was December 11th last year, we brought in $51,805.32. The 32 cents is important. So I was blown away. I couldn't believe it that a nine-month-old church could do that. And understand the church you see today was not the church then. So it, was, it wasn't two services. It was one service, and, and God is blessed, and, and, and we've been so thankful to see what God has done. But just on this idea, you're like, okay, so that's receiving. But look at this. In the almost two years as a church, here's how much money we've given away. $111,000 and 806. Yeah, come on. I can't even say the number. 
Now, some people say, well, you're a new church. Why would you give over $110,000 away? Here's why. Because we believe this, that generosity is our opportunity. And we say this, that you don't give to a church, but you give through a church, meaning what comes in goes out to make a difference. Do we need a facility? Yes. Do we need staff? Yes. But it's much bigger than that. Lord, how can we really be a church for the city? Not just in the city, but for the city. So we want to serve the city. And one of the ways that we serve it is by giving. And so that money has been given away to meet needs here in our city. It's been given away to see other churches planted. So guess what? When those churches were planted, people said yes to Jesus. So your generosity had an impact on people that you would never meet. But there are people who have said yes to Jesus, given their life to Christ because of your generosity. And we don't want that to stop. That number is going to continue, and, and I'm excited to see it happen. So coming into this year, I said, all right, Lord, I'm praying about it. What do you, you know, is, is there a number? Do I need to share it? And yes, there's a number. And yes, I'm going to share it. And, I was, and I'm afraid of it. I'm stuttering. I didn't intend to do that. But I'm believing that we'll see $150,000 come in, be received on December 10th. I like that. It's just like, ooh, bro, a little quiet. <laughs> But that's what, that's, what I, that's what I believe. And what are you going to do with that? $100,000 of that will go towards a permanent facility that will continue to prepare so that when the moment comes, I'm standing up here and I'll say, hey, church, just FYI, we just secured. Not, hey, church, can we come together to get the down payment? But here's what we've already done because of the generosity that already exists. So then what happens with the 50000 The 50000 is money that we're saying, hey, we're giving this away. There are local organizations. There are, there are people. There are families in our community that we're saying, Lord, $50,000 is given away. Now, here's why, that's, here's why that's important is that has nothing to do with what we tithe monthly as a church. So as a church, there's not, we don't, preach something uh, that we don't live out as well. And so $50,000 is just what's given away. That doesn't account for the, the, the 10% or more that we tithe each month as a church. Why? Because generosity is our opportunity. So when we get to Vision Sunday next year, I'm believing that the number that we'll report to what we have given to missions will just blow all of us away because of the level of generosity of this church. Are y'all getting this this morning? But here's, here's what's going to have to happen for this to happen. It takes participation. It takes us to say, okay, Lord, how are you calling me to be a part of this? Because the reality is there's more that we can do together than we can do on our own. And so today, for a few moments, I want to speak uh, from this, the power of participation. The power of participation. I want to make some observations. And here's the first observation. The first observation is this. Participation involves us. Look at Exodus 25, verse 2. 
God tells Moses, he says, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You know, there is more power in the collective than there is in the individual. There's more power in the collective than there is in the individual. When God called Katie and I to start the becoming, he wasn't calling us to do it alone, but rather to, to pioneer the effort. In, uh, in other words, he was saying, listen, I, I shared the vision of the church with you first, but it's my vision, not yours. But you have the responsibility now to go bring other people alongside you and see in this vision become a reality because there's more power in the collective than there is in the individual. There wasn't a, an amount of skill set or intellect that we have or, or had to see God's vision for the becoming become a reality. We couldn't do it alone. It takes a team. And so we began to build a, what we call a launch team. And that was basically the team that would help the church launch. And uh, we started meeting in coffee shops and restaurants and, and Zoom and phone calls and whatever way that we could communicate the vision of the church. In fact, is anybody in here from the launch team? From the Come on, y'all are troopers holding it out. Let's go. Shout out to the launch team. And it's so amazing to see what, what God has done in less than two years. But right here in Exodus 25 too, the Lord calls Moses to this moment. He says, tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. Not you, but the Israelites. Which leads me to this quote that I've just really been kind of chewing on for the last week. That if you want to go fast, go along. But if you want to go far, go together. So that's cool. You, you can go fast alone. There are things you can accomplish by yourself quickly. You already know, so why bring somebody alongside you? It's easier if you do it yourself. But guess what? It's going to stop with you. So the vision, the productivity, whatever is possible is only going to be based on you. Can I tell you what a prideful way of thinking? What an arrogant way of thinking to think that this thing hangs on me, that to think that it's about me and my skill set and my ability and my intellect and how I can do it better. No, it's about the power of the collective. Yeah. That, yeah, there are things that we can do alone, but guess what? We can do together. We can go further together. And can I tell you, there's a great picture of this in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where the church in Jerusalem, they were in trouble. They were suffering. They needed money. And so the churches in Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, they come together to provide an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. Now, this is significant. Why? Because these churches themselves, they're poor. So if they just tried to meet this need alone, they couldn't do it because they were poor themselves. But guess what? When they came together, they were able to bless the saints in Jerusalem because there is more power in the collective than there is in the individual. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? And as a church, listen, we have come together. We've done that. We realize that. We understand that. We come together each month through I Love My City. 
that every first Saturday of the month, we're serving our community. We're in Terry Heights. We're in Northwood. We're in different spaces and places of this city. Are we looking for something back? No, we're saying, Lord, these are your people. They are us. How can we show up and serve our city? We're remodeling homes. We're, we're putting up sheetrock. We're cleaning up homes that caught on fire. We're, we're laying down sod. We're fixing cars. We're serving meals. We're, where's Jackie at? She's cooking them pancakes. Jackie known for the pancakes. Like, <laughs> things are happening. We're coming together. We come together to serve Horizon Elementary. Do you know that we have yet to meet on the first Saturday of the month of July in this way? Because we say, no, we're not even going to meet. We're going to gather to show up to serve this school. We've done landscape. It was hot that first summer. Y'all remember that? It was so hot. And we out there digging up weeds over here in the playground. Then they remodeled it. I'm like, y'all could have let us know <laughs> before we got out there. But we're pulling up weeds. We're planting flowers. We're painting. Nate was grilling. We're going to find a building. We're still going <laughs> to because just so you could grill. We're painting bathrooms. We're purchasing refrigerators and, and microwaves for the, for the teachers. There's furniture that we've bought. Do you know there are kids here who are hungry throughout the day because of, uh, they don't have access to resources at home and, and food at home. And so we keep a, a food pantry stock here for those kids. Like we're, we're coming together. I think about the mobile food pantries that we participate in. Literally, we have fed thousands of people. That's not, a, that's not a pastor number. You know, if there's one, it was three. <laughs> but literally thousands of people, and we're going to come together on December 9th and do the same. And I, I want to encourage you to participate. You could bring the entire family to be a part of that. Just text TBC Food Pantry to 94000, get you signed up, and it's going to be a great morning. And we also have come together through our generosity. Because please hear me, $400,000 set aside for a permanent facility, and that ain't even bankrupting the church, that's not normal. This church is not even two years old. That's not normal. But that's the power of the collective versus the individual. Now, with all of that, listen, I'm, I'm asking, like, God, if, if we stuck, if we sustained this mindset of togetherness, what can we see happen in the Huntsville-Madison area? Because, listen, this church is not here on accident. This church is not here just to be here and say we, we, we sung a couple songs and had a good time and we went on our way. But this church is here to make a difference. And I believe what God is doing in this city. I love this city. I love Huntsville. I love Madison. Listen, class of 03, Butler High School, come on now. Like, I'm here. This is home. And I believe for God's best for this city. And what he wants to do. And I'm like, what can we do? What can we see if we come together? We sustain this mindset of togetherness. Now, y'all don't be counting my age now. <laughs> he said, oh, three, carry the one. Don't do that. But let me just say this. We're not building a culture of taking, but we're cultivating a culture of generosity. It's not about taking. It's not about get. But it's about a culture of giving. Then listen. We can be generous. You go out to lunch today, leave a good tip. You say, yo, tipping culture is crazy right now. I mean, I understand. But leave a good tip. Be generous with your words. Like, yo, 
I like them shoes. That's a nice sweater. You look nice today. Be generous. We're building, we're cultivating a culture of generosity. Because the truth is, as a follower of Jesus, is in our DNA. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's in our DNA. This is just part of who we are. This is, this is just what we're connected to. Listen, God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave his life. And we come together to give so others can receive hope. Here's the second observation. Participation involves the willing. Look at Exodus 25, verse 2. It says, you are to take my offering from everyone who is willing to give. Now, some of you guys showed up today. It's your first time here. Or maybe you invited someone and you're like, yo, it's cool. They don't talk about money. (laughs) See, y'all laughing because y'all said it. And then you get here today like, Lord, he talking about money. You're going you gonna to do the money talk today, man. I finally got them here. And you're going to talk about money. But listen, I get it. I understand it. Because maybe your context of church from what you experience or just your perception is that, well, church just wants your money. And here are things I've come to realize. Like people are like, yo, you could talk about faith. You could talk about healing. But don't talk about sex and don't talk about my money. And I understand that. Because maybe of, of abuse or things that we've seen in church. Because, you know, we can see the sad stories. We can hear the sad stories, the sob stories. Our, our heartstrings can easily be pulled on. Right? We can say, Matthew, come, come get on these keys. Come on, let's get the band. Let's swell a little bit. Let my voice just get a little bit lower And what's happening right now. Right? And you've been in those environments, and it didn't feel right. So we can hear money, a money talking kind of be on edge. But listen, it's not God's way. Giving from compulsion, it's not willingness. That's manipulation. And that's not what God is about. He said what? He said, Tell, you ought to take an offering from everyone who's what? Who is willing to give. Not who's tricked into giving. Not who's scammed into giving, not who's manipulated into giving, but everyone who is willing to give. And I'll I'll say it like this. The Becoming Church, in almost two years, has never collected an offering. And we never will. And you're like, this is confusing. Isn't it called the collection plate? But we actually don't have a collection plate. But here's what I mean. Look at it this way. When you get paid, the United States government, what do they do? They tax. They say, hey, let me get that up off you. (laughs) They collect from your check. They collect from your check. You don't get a say. James, you don't get to talk about it? Like, hey, bro, I I wasn't tracking with that percentage. When did we talk about this? And listen, don't get a bonus. You're like, it was a bonus. Like, they said, well, you got more, so we take more. It's not a conversation about it. But the church doesn't collect an offering. No, the church receives an offering, meaning it is freely given. So what's a person has decided 
It's what someone is willing to do in a moment. Look at Exodus 35 and 29. It says, so the Israelites brought what? A free will offering. They brought it. And it was by free will to the Lord. Now, you may say, listen, that's cool. That's a lot of Old Testament stuff. You, what, what about the new, bro? What, what, what's up with the New Testament? Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't love a manipulated one. He doesn't love a reluctant one. He loves a cheerful giver. It's got to be free will. It's got to be willing. The value of an offering is not determined by the amount, but by the spirit in which it's given. It's like if you have, you know, kids, small kids or nieces, nephews, cousins, what have you. And you're like, yo, share one of your, your toys with your, with your sibling. I don't want to. Here. Some of us, if we give like that, God's like, no, don't do that. I love a cheerful giver, not a reluctant one, not someone who was manipulated because of how softly the keys played, but a cheerful one. So it's not about the, the value is not in the offering, the amount of it, but it's by the spirit of it. So when we introduced uh, Bricklayers back on October 8th, we knew that it would be two months before we would even receive the offering. Now, you may say, well, how come you didn't do it like the next week or, or, or two weeks later? Why would you wait until December 10th when you announced it on October 8th? Here's why. We didn't want you to be excited and hyped up. It was Vision Sunday. We were sharing about all that God has done and, and, and what we feel like he's about to do and, and how close we were to a permanent facility and, and all that stuff. And we didn't want you to be hyped up and then you end up cutting a check and then you go home like, Lord, mm, my kids ain't going to go to college. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to make it. So we said, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want you to give from excitement or in a compulsive way. Instead, this is what we said. We said we won't even ask you to give. Instead, we said, listen, ask God what he would have you to do. And then at that point, guess what? It's between you and God. With Katie and I, guess what? It's between us and the Lord and how we respond to what he's calling us to. Here's the last observation. Matthew, come help me land this plane. Here's the last observation. Participation involves sacrifice. Participation involves sacrifice. You know, there's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 24 uh, where King David, he wants to uh, build an altar uh, to the Lord. And so he's going to, he and his men, they're going to, to get everything necessary to build this altar. Uh, for the Lord to, to make an offering, to present an offering. But then, you know how sometimes, you know, people of significance, if you will, uh, will sh maybe show up at a restaurant 
And they'll say, yo, that's so-and-so or so-and-so's here. And, and, and the, the, the manager, the chef comes up and say, hey, listen, it's on us today. Whatever, whatever you want, it's on us because they just love the fact that so-and-so has dined in their restaurant. And so they're going to publicize that. So they're willing to just say, hey, go ahead. It's on us. Well, this is what's happening here in this moment. The king, David, is making his way. And this guy, he sees him and his men coming. So he's like, yo, king, whatever you need, don't worry. I got it. It's on me. But look at what David says in verse 24. He says, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So, yeah, family, participation, yeah, it does require sacrifice. I think about the widow in Mark 12 where everyone's bringing an offering in the temple. And there's these folks that they're bringing these huge offerings, big offerings in terms of amount. But here she comes. She brings her two coins, equivalent to a dollar today, a U.S. dollar. But Jesus, he's, he honors her giving to his disciples. But why not the amounts that were far much more? Well, they gave from their wealth. It didn't cost them anything. But she gave from all she had. And that's why Jesus honored it. Because it wasn't about the amount, but it was about the posture in which she gave it. It cost her something. She's a widow. In that culture, if there were no sons, that was detrimental to her. Because the sons would provide for her. But yet, here she is in the state of life that she's in, and she gave out of her lack. And Jesus honored that. Now, you may be saying, like, wait a minute. So is God asking me to give what I don't have? Of course not. Not at all. In fact, please, you better pay your mortgage. You better pay your bills. That's nonsense. He's not asking that. And listen, on December 10th, guess what? If you don't have it, don't give it. But can I tell you what I need you to still do? I need you to show up. <laughs> I need you to be here. I need you to worship. I need you to serve. I need you to understand that you are part of this body. Are you hearing me this morning? Because look at what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. If you don't have it, don't, don't do it. Not according to what one does not have. Then verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. In other words, the significance it's not of an offering. It's not found in the size of it, but in the sacrifice. That this is not even about, well, Lord, do I need to not? No. It's if you have it. It's between you and the Lord. And I love this quote from Mother Teresa that says, if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. Lord, here I am. I can't feed 100, but I can feed one. And family, would you feed one? And if you can feed 100, then family... Would you feed a hundred? 
And look what happens. So wrap this up, Exodus 25. Go back to our text. These are the offerings that you are to receive. Gold, silver, bronze, purple, uh, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dyed, red hair, another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, gems to be mounted on an ephod. Here's what I'm getting at. Excuse me. They brought what they had. It wasn't about, well, what are you bringing? What, what, what are you bringing? What am I bringing? What's the size of my gift? What's the size of, of your gift? No, it was they brought what they had. Some brought gold. Others brought yarn. Some brought leather. Others brought wood. Some brought stones. Others brought gems. And guess what it was used for? For the building of the tabernacle. Every part was important. There wasn't one that was more important than the other. And it paints this picture that we mentioned a moment ago. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, then go together. And that's what they did. I got yarn, I'll bring the yarn. You got the gold, you bring the gold. You got the gems, you got the gems. And guess what we're going to get to do? We're going to get to worship our God who desires to dwell with us. Now, I don't know if you ever heard what happened next. I don't know if you ever heard a pastor say it. But look at Exodus 36, verse 6. Then Moses gave an order. And they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Did y'all hear that? The people were restrained. They said, no, no, bro, that's it. You can't. No, it's too much. Hold, hold, hold off. Because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Family, what could we do if we decide to go together? And know this, God's not going to have a need met for his house while there's still a need in your house. Come on, do you trust him to provide for you? He will. Because that's who he is. Come on, let's pray.